Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Jesus brought to us was how do we as a community live out eternal life today, this afternoon, this week, how how to do that. And uh, unfortunately, all of us in here, we have a level of understanding of how we think our lives should be. Every one of us. And it makes perfect sense. Have you ever thought about that with somebody else? You're like, how on earth could that person make that choice? Right? Well, the thing about it is, in, in our brains, our understanding, it makes sense. All right? And, and we're all that way. So sometimes it's really easy. I can't believe, you know, Christian wore that shirt up here in front of the whole church with a symbol head on it. I can't believe it. But, no. but the, the thing is, is, there's this understanding. And so that's part of the problem, though, because there's a, there's a way, and Proverbs talks about that, there's a way that in our heads and hearts that we think this is how life should go. But in the end, it leads to death, right? That's like, we have to remember that is, is what makes most sense oftentimes in our brains may very well not be the method in the way that God is asking us to live in his kingdom. In fact, almost, almost never is that the case, okay? So we're, we're bringing ourselves back to learn, okay, God, you spoke through people to give us your word on how to live this now. And so my ear is attentive. I want to learn how to do this because these aren't things I would write on my own, okay? And so um, what is eternal life? Eternal life is this. It's a quality of life. It's peace and it's abundance. It's safety and hope and joy and community. Loving God and loving our neighbor now and for eternity. That's it. That's a beautiful thing. And I think about that. I'm like, wow, man, how could we not be experiencing this life that life is just our, our cup overflows. But the world's narrative has trapped us our whole lives into achievement being Lord. Like you're really not worth anything unless you're achieving something or um, the idea of something being efficient or productive or not having enough, I think we all experience these things in daily life, right? Is fear and comparativeness and competitiveness. This is the this is what the world is trying to get me and you. And it's not that the world's even trying to get us to do it. Me and you just do this. This, this naturally comes, okay? So in a normal day, our normal kind of selfish, kind of sinful nature will automatically probably default to these things of achievement and efficiency and comparing and there's not enough and I'm scared. Okay, that's going to be our norm. Eternal life is very different than that. Okay, and you say we can have that. That's the norm. That's the kingdom. That's living in the kingdom of God. And so we just read 1 Peter 2 right here. He says this, rid yourselves of that. We just read that. And he said, desire the pure spiritual milk. 
Since you've tasted that the Lord is good, you know what that means? Is you've experienced God's goodness. In some way, shape, or form, you've experienced at some point, and you knew it was good, and it was wonderful, and you wanted more of it. And he's saying, guys, you've had this before, so, you know, we go back to last week, gird the loins of your mind, right? Like, get ready for this. You have these desires that you used to have, we're going to get rid of them. Well, he's being more specific here. He says, rid yourselves of these things. Because living in this manner is not going to bring eternal life. All right? Living in uh, with malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, that's not in the kingdom of God. All right? It's, it's interesting because if you take Deuteronomy 18.9 or the entirety of Leviticus, God is teaching his people, like, listen... What you see around you, don't imitate. Where you came from, when he's telling his people, you came out of Egypt, listen, you experienced not eternal life. And I'm bringing you into something. He's saying, pay very close attention to what the world is doing around us. And he says in Deuteronomy 18, I'm sending you to a land, and you're going to see the people that used to live there do not do what they do. All right? It is so important, and he's addressing wanderers and strangers and exiles here, just like we are. In this world, and he's saying, pay careful attention to the way the world operates. Do not conform yourself to those things. Right. Right? That there is no eternal life. And so, what would they hear? These are obviously like English words, right? What would they hear when he's saying, rid yourselves of these things? And clearly, Peter understood that these were actual things going on that people were wrestling with throughout the province of Asia. And he says, first of all, rid yourself of malice and and what they're hearing is a word that basically is this intent to hurt or injure somebody. And not just physically, but to hurt them in some way, shape, or form. Okay, so when we hear that, I want you to just kind of like get yourself to a place. Have you ever, has that ever been a reality? Did you ever just want to hurt somebody? Right. I mean, get, this is where we have to get really comfortable about kind of the murky junk that's inside of us. Okay, there's no use in pretending this is normal human behavior. Is man, I, the, the place my mind goes, especially when I get hurt, is I'm hurting someone else. <laughs> They're gonna feel that. Okay, he says, rid yourself of malice, of deceit, which it, that's an interesting word because it's like luring somebody into something. Okay, it's actually that's the idea. Let me lure you into something that I know is gonna hurt you. Let me lure you into something that I know isn't true and good for you, right? Of hypocrisy, okay? Of even putting on like this pretense, this, this hypocrisy of let me just pretend even how to be so I can even kind of trick you. Right? There's a hypocrisy. This isn't really you, but it's, a, it's kind of this facade that's put up in order to fool people. And not just in, in the ways we think, but sometimes to trick people. He's like, get rid of these things of envy, of looking around and going, man, Ben has that, I want it. Carl and Joanne have this thing, I want that thing. He's like, rid, you're, this is not eternal life. And slander of saying things that just aren't true about somebody. These things, if we are considering these things, these things sneak in without me and you even thinking about it. All right. How often do, do we say something, and I can share it about myself, I'll say something. And go, wow, I'm not sure if that's true about that person. 
Right? He's saying, listen, to live eternal life, to live in the kingdom, he says, rid yourselves of these things, okay? So here's the tough... Um, this is where Peter is kind of digging into, and he talked about it in chapter 1. He said, there are desires that me and you have. There are wants that we have. All right? There, there, are, there are these things that are happening. I look at something, I want it. I look at something, I hate it. There's something I want, revenge or, or I want whatever. He's, and, and Peter really is digging into this idea of, of the desires. Have you thought about your desires lately? Like sometimes they just become something that's running in the background and we never consider. In fact, we just are making choices without considering, man, why do I even want that thing? All right. And so he's digging into this and he's saying, he's got this idea. He's saying, you have these desires and in this particular situation. He's like, you want to hurt people and, and you want what other people have. And, and you want to say bad things about people and you want to trick people and lure people. You want to do those things. And remember, he says this, he says, uh, but desire pure spiritual milk. Right. So there's a couple of things that are pretty fascinating here. First of all, he says, hey, rid yourself of these things. And whether we verbalize it out loud in the fellowship, at home, with our spouses, with our roommates, of going, man, listen, I don't know what he's talking about, but you can't just go and just stop all this. And, and then how do you just like and desire pure spiritual milk? What are we supposed to do? Just like make myself want this? I mean, there's this thing that the world has done to our thinking that has really kind of messed things up a little bit, okay? So let's take a look here because I think this will be helpful. Um, the, first of all, when he's talking about malice and he's talking about envy and he's talking about hypocrisy and he's talking about deceit and all that, these are things that are fueled by really deep feelings, I like, like, I don't like you, slash, I hate you, and I want you hurt. Okay? I mean, he's, he's digging into things that aren't just like behavioral things. These are like deep, deep things. And, and remembering that this, a desire is something that we put value on. Okay? But we have to remember that, man, a lot of these things he's asking us to stop, they, they are really fueled by some, by some really, like, um, um, specific just feelings and emotions, okay? There's some questions, maybe there's some false thinking, but we can't change our desires. Have you ever thought about that? that that's kind of a, a little bit of a tagline for our world today. If you like something or you love something, you can't change that. You were born that way. Right? Except that's not accurate. If that were accurate, then we couldn't change these things. If that were accurate, there was no hope for reconciliation. If it were accurate, then the desires that me and you have inside of us can't ever be changed. If that were accurate, we are lost as can be. There is no hope for change. None. It's just a matter of how do I make my desires fit into a box called Christianity. Okay, but we can have kind of false. Listen, this is a normal thing. You go to any school, you go to any campus, you go to any workplace, and this is kind of the normal thing. Hey, they can't. That's just who they are. You can't change that. You can't change desire. This is a false, a false premise. I can't just rid myself of something. 
We tell ourselves that oftentimes. I can't just do that. Like, is that what you want me to do? You just want me to rid myself of something. And you see, oftentimes our own emotion gets brought into the text where there isn't any there. Okay? But we can feel like, man, this is what I hate about church. Rid yourself, except here, let's get into the world of the original recipients when this was read to them. Okay? Rid yourself. Rid yourself. Man, sometimes you say, man, I'm overwhelmed. The Bible must be easier than this. I need to go find somewhere where it's easier. This is too hard. You're expecting too much. Like, if we have to get into desires and choices and ridding yourself, this is why people don't like Christianity and following Jesus is because of this. Except we're being taught like our old self is being deconstructed to live eternal life today. And God knows and Jesus knows and Peter knows that we can't live eternally and eternal life while we hang on to these things, okay? And so we sometimes have a false impression that for some reason the Bible should be easier than it is. Like it should just be easy. But, but my, my question is where did that come from? Like at what point did you say, well, it should be easy? Except it's written in a way that is meant to be like repetitive over time for long periods of time to be thought through and prayed through and all of these different things. And so we're in a place right here when he says, so rid yourselves of these desires. Rid yourself of all of these things, okay? To, and here's the thing. To embrace eternal life is to embrace this, a wholehearted overhaul of not my morality and not my situational behavior, but my desires, wants, and purposes expressed in trust in Jesus. Okay, that's the thing. So if I come to Jesus, if we're coming to Jesus, and we're going, what I want to do is just I'm supposed to be changing my morality and to be situationally good. What that means is good in church, good in your small group, good in those times. But not good when I'm at home behind closed doors and no one else is here. And not good when I'm with my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And not good. It's kind of like situational behavior. He's saying, no, eternal life is expressed when there's this embracing of this wholehearted change that our desires will change. That our wants will change. That our purpose in life will change. And that that's expressed as we trust him. As we're reading scripture, I trust you. Even when my brain is saying, Keith, that doesn't make any sense at all to live this way. You will be completely beaten down if you don't have these things in your quiver. If you're not ready to use these things in the world. Okay? And so it's this idea, if we want to embrace this. So rid yourselves of these things. You've, you've uh, tasted that the Lord is good. And you know, this idea... Choice and desire has a really kind of interesting relationship, okay? Because here's the thing is, when you're hungry, you make a choice to do something, right? What do you do? You eat, right? So there's this idea of, okay, well, there's this desire that then gives me this choice. But it goes opposite, too, right? It's this idea of, okay, let's say you choose to get in shape. And you make a choice, and you go, I don't want to do this. My desire is not to do this. But I'm going to go and I'm going to work out. Have you ever experienced that where you're going, I really want to keep doing this. I see the goodness in this. 
whether it's diet or working out or something. And so it's never, it's not one way. And what's fascinating about this is we can look into this and when we're asked to begin making choices, he's saying your choices may in fact change the desires we've had. All right. And so we don't get locked up in all of that. Okay. Um, and it goes on. Right? He says, you've tasted that the Lord is good. You've experienced the goodness of God. And then he says this, coming to him, a living stone. Just picture that in your mind. All right? He already said, hey, read yourself these things. But we're going to come to him, a living stone. Not too many verses before, he said, here's the deal of flesh. Do you remember what he said about flesh? It's like grass. And he said the greatest moments of the flesh experience, these flowers, they all wither and burn away. But then he says, now we come to him, the absolute opposite of this grass, a living stone. Right, we, we get a little piece there of who this Jesus is. A living stone who's rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. You yourselves, okay, check this out, as living stones. All right, so we're beginning to get an idea, I hope, when he's telling us to rid ourselves of these things. When he's telling us to desire pure milk, I think we're getting the idea of where Peter's taking us. He's going, let me, rem let me remind us. We came to him, and I want you to picture this living stone. And then he says, in, in us, we're living stones too. We're living stones as well. It's not the flesh. It's not the grass that can be burned and all these things. He says, you're being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a, there should be something you're picturing if you have been around the Bible for a while, okay? Is that sentence right there. You should be picturing something of spiritual house, holy priesthood, spiritual sacrifices. Are you picturing the temple? Where God lived, his presence. He said, he said, here's one of the aspects of our community is he said, we're being built just like that. And what's interesting is we're participating in every aspect of that. He said, just like the, the stones, living stones, right? The holy priesthood, absolutely. Spiritual sacrifice, acceptable, yes. That's eternal life. That's, that's kingdom living right there. Is this understanding of who we are. And that's, that's meant to, to leave an imprint, except here's the thing is, it doesn't leave an imprint just because we read from it today. It just won't do that. I think this is where we can get really frustrated or really kind of like a little bit discouraged because why isn't this working faster? Why, why isn't this? Okay, that sounds great. And then I'm going to leave here afterwards and we're going to go to some, you know, Ruby Tuesday or something. And I'm going to be yelling at the waitress or something. Okay. I'm going to go home and get frustrated with my family. Or I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning in a bad attitude or something like that. And we're going, man, how come this didn't get imprinted onto my heart? All right. And the answer to that is the answer to how we grow in this through the spirit is it takes 
a lot of time reading, thinking, praying. This isn't a, a this isn't a book that you just read through it, but there are times we you're gonna need to stop and pray and go, man, God, I don't know, man, I'm angry. And I, I have malice, I think things a lot. I, I need to stop this, but I don't know how. I mean, this is meant to be even prayer literature for us to go through and be praying through. Okay, and so again, we're talking about this idea of a very slow bake here, a very slow cooking time, okay? It doesn't happen quickly, and it doesn't happen with a lot of uh, just kind of hyperactivity, right? And so he says this, um, coming to him, this living stone, he, the, the living stone's been rejected. That's our king. He's rejected by man, but valuable to God. You yourselves as living stones. And so that's just one of those things. What do we take from that? We kind of keep like hammering away at this writing of this, really this truth. Okay? Because that's what he's talking about here. For it's contained in scripture, he goes on. And if your Bible has like the, um, the bold print, that means that he's re- reflecting back and using scripture from the Old Testament. Okay? He says, so for it's contained in scripture, look, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. He said, yeah, of this temple that's being built, the cornerstone, the most important part, that's who I'm raising up. He talked about it way back hundreds of years prior to this. He said, uh, you'll never be put to shame. So honor will come to those who believe, but for the unbelieving, he says, there's consequences. There's blessings and curses here, right? I mean, there's these things that happen. Of we can, we can, like enter the kingdom of God and honor him and become his apprentice and his child by dying to ourselves, or we can reject him, which has been happening. The stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the message since they were destined for this. Okay? And so it's that idea of, man, the same Jesus, the same Jesus who made it, made us able to come together and enjoy unity in him, to love one another. The same Jesus, he said, for somebody else becomes a stumbling block because they disobey. Because they're not, it's not expressed, their, their idea isn't expressed in trust in Jesus, which is expressed through obedience. It's not that. They're saying, no, I don't, I'm not going to obey him because I don't trust him. And so if we're attempting to follow him through that, we're just going to keep tripping over that. We're just going to keep stumbling. This is going to be frustrating, right? He said, this is the truth. He gives them this little story here, this little section of scripture. And then he tells them this, and this fits in right into our sometimes culture sweet spot, right? Which is, man, this is what we need to hear. I need to hear really how great we are. (laughs) And and I can't tell you the number of times I worked... um, uh, you know, for a couple of seasons as a um, team chaplain for a high school football team. And and, uh, and I had to stop because there's only way. I, I'm sure you're a team chaplain or something. Maybe you can figure that out. I just really can't do a devotional before an athletic event. Okay? I just can't, like, bring things out and go, hey, guys, come on. You can go out there and do this because you're a chosen race. <laughs> Man, forget what's behind and press on towards what's ahead. That's what Jesus wants. You know, I just couldn't do it. But, but the thing is, is we oftentimes like use the scripture in a devotional sense to like, okay, this is going to be the answer for us to change our ways. 
Okay, and in a sense it is, but I think we think about it and we're, we're incorrectly thinking about it. But he says this just to remember, these are all true. He said, you are a chosen race. All right, you, you're chosen. You aren't, you know, again, kind of like I shared before the communion. It's not, man, I'm so sick and tired of you people. I can't believe that I'm even giving you my word. He said, you're chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for its possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness. He says, see, here's the thing. This is different than behavioral change. This is something so different, an identity. Remember in chapter one when he said, you've been given a new birth? This is what this was. This is what he's talking about. Is there's this new birth that it's not supposed to be. We're not just supposed to be people who hear the word and are like, man, I can't wait to hear it so I can go and share it. Okay, and that may sound totally sacrilegious. But what's meant to happen is it's supposed to fill us. All right, there's been too many times in my life and too many times probably in a lot of our lives where we have said, okay, the word of God, this is going to help me reach out to people. And I'm going to go and I got it here and I'm going to bounce it off over to them there. And it's not real in me. All right, and my advice would be stay away from people if that's going to be the case. Okay, this word is meant to be to be, to fill. And we're supposed to end up being springs of living water where what's coming out of us is what's filled us, okay? And so this is filling. This is supposed to be filling this way, right? Is that you are, and it's so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness. That's what the world is supposed to be hearing, is a proclamation of the praises of the one who called us out of darkness, that's what they're supposed to not just hear in our words, but hear in our life, see in our life is a proclamation praising God for calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He said, what you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. You used to not have mercy, but now you have received mercy. And again, uh, what's great about this is that this is meant to, again, man, we're, we're, this is supposed to just be written on our hearts over time over and over and over again. It's not that we even figure everything out because the interesting thing, in 10 years, we'll, we're going to connect more dots. In 10 years after that, there's going to be more dots connected. Not a different meaning, but there's going to be connections through the Word of God that are really amazing, okay? And so, again, I think part of the question that I've asked myself studying First Peter is, am I willing to really take a deep breath and, and um, make this a part of my lifestyle? Not just a thing I'll do with the Bible, but that this begins being brought into my workplace and my school and my all these different things is, is I can be doing things and this can be running through me. Okay. But it's gonna take time. It's gonna take, it's gonna be slower than we're comfortable with. Okay. Um, I added this, this is the eleventh verse. I only told Christian to read through ten. But this fits exactly with what the rest of it is saying. But he finishes this section. He says, Dear friends, I urge you again as foreigners and exiles. So I hope what we hear, if Peter were to come here and read this to us, say, Clemson Foothills Church, I urge you. I urge you as foreigners and exiles in this world, in this state, in this city, in this, man, we are foreigners and exiles. Okay? To keep away from fleshly desires. There he is again. Now he's saying not just rid yourself, but keep away from them. 
Like, be wise enough to know what's ahead, okay? Keep away from it. Why is that? I love this. They do battle against our soul. Isn't that fascinating? Like, when I'm, like, engaging in just being envious or, or hateful, hypocritical, whatever it is, that what's happening is, is that is actually battling against my soul. Like, how much, ba- I mean, can, I don't even know what that looks like. But it gives me a great picture of going, now, God, I see what you're talking about here. This, this is why. Not only is it not good for our relationships, but it's not good for our soul. Okay? Is they do battle against the soul and maintain good contact, among, a, a good conduct among the non Christians. So though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he appears. He said, part of it, we pay attention to the world we live in, and, and this will challenge us to view our world. And I think it's really, again, we've said it over and over again. I know it's easy, and so do you. It's as easy to, to think, man, but the good people are Christians. <laughs> Moral people are Christians. Like, like, you know, I'm not even sure who non-Christians are anymore, right? Except here's the thing about this is, he didn't give me my x-ray vision on finding out who all the non-Christians were, but he said, I did give you my spirit, and I did tell you to live in this, and it should be overflowing to people. And you want to know what? There are people that, based, not even based on how they're living their life, they're not in the kingdom of God, and they need this. Okay? And so he says, this is the thing, is, is that the world would see your good deeds, your good works, and glorify God when he's appeared. Okay? So he was coming out, I'm so overwhelmed by this. It's too much. Man, I gotta read more, I gotta think more, I've gotta do all these things. And just remember that's the voice of what the world has told us. Our phones tell us that. So there, listen, I'm gonna tell you, I just saw a commercial for T Mobile, and they were like, hey, we have this this great plan that we challenge everybody on who's on a phone is take five minutes off your phone each day. And I'm like, are we the stupidest people in the world? <laughs> Like seriously, they but we are. I mean that's the answer. Because they're 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 doing the bait and switch. They're doing the same going, hey, you know what, man, we understand. Being on phone's not good. Be all suckered into all this. It's not good, it's not good. We at T Mobile, we at Verizon, we are we ask you to take five minutes off. And and, and I think what they want is for us to go, I'm gonna buy their product. <laughs> they care about me. They care about my mental health. They want me to take five minutes off. You don't know what, what they're saying is because y'all can't handle more than five minutes. Because five minutes won't do nothing. But we can feed you this line. And you go, man, that T-Mobile gets it. <laughs> you know, because T-Mobile knows that we're dumb. And when it comes, they're just like, oh, gosh, yeah, okay, man, I'm just like totally hooked on this and everything about us. And, and so we get easily, oh, we just do, we get easily, we're fragile. We're easily overwhelmed, okay? But let's look at this right here. Jody, don't do this equation, man. It's simple. Do not do it. But probably everyone in here, you've probably seen this, okay? It's a basic thing. I want you to now take a step back to first grade, okay? I want you to remember what you, where you went to school and what it was like and who was your teacher, okay? And if you went into first grade and they said, okay, kids, here's your homework tonight. Take this home. Okay, don't come back tomorrow without the answer. Okay? Is, do you think, do you think you would go, what the heck? I don't even know my alphabet. 
Okay? A plus B plus C. What is that? All right? Talk about overwhelm. And, and unfortunately, this is a thing where this is good stuff right here. This isn't super difficult in the math world. Okay? I'm going to tell you when you're in first grade, it's impossible. <laughs> okay? It just can't be done, and you would be so frustrated. But knowing that, you want to know what? You can get there, and you know how you get there? You get there by this. Right? And then they move you up to this. And you start going. And I remember in fourth grade, and we were really cranking it out, man, of learning how to do these things. And if you, you would take a multiplication exam, and there would be like 20 things. And if you could do it fast enough, we would get a Pac-Man sticker next to our name. And I wanted every Pac-Man sticker. I was so motivated by the Pac-Man sticker, okay? That may be nothing to anybody here, okay? But it was something to me. Um, but what it was, was I didn't know that this was preparing me for this. I didn't know. And you wanna know what was interesting about that is? is when I got that right, that was good. That was good, <laughs> right? I mean, somebody's going, man, okay, three, plus, three times two is great, but you don't even know algebra, <laughs> right? And, and oftentimes, it can be this way, right? Where, where we go, this is what it is to be a disciple. And get it. Get it. Right? And we're going, and, and, and then in, in a lot of our cases, we go, I want this so bad. I'm going to learn this. I want this so, so bad. I'm going to put everything into this. And it just becomes kind of frustrating. And we don't really even know. Um, we don't really even know what that means as disciples. Like, what is one plus two? Right? What is, what is three times two? Okay? Like, we don't even oftentimes ask ourselves that question. But here's the, here's the starting point, okay? If you're just super overwhelmed now, if you've been a disciple for a while, right? There is a different approach to this that you're understanding, but you're not giving up on the fundamentals. But there's an understanding here when you're hearing, man, you know, rid yourselves of these things, okay? There, there's a point when you're grown up enough to get that. All right? It's not okay to sit in ninth grade math and go, oh, I don't even understand those letters. Hey, man, big. Probably because you hadn't paid attention for the first eighth grade, eight grades. Okay? That's probably the case. And some of us are there. But here's just a question to ask. Do I want this? Is this what I want to follow Jesus? Like, is, this what I, is this what I want more than anything in the whole wide world? Okay? Because I think as we get to be adults, we're like, but I don't want to go to hell. That's not the question. Is this what I want? Is this really what I want? Okay, because we've got to explore that just a little bit. There's kind of one plus one right there, okay? And then there's this aspect of just beginning of just, okay, I really do want this, and I'm just going to begin asking. I'm praying constantly. God, show me this. I want this so bad. Help me with this. I'm asking people. I'm asking brothers and sisters. Help me out. I want to know this. I'm just learning this stuff. Like, this is new to me. And, and you may have been a Christian for 15 years, and it's still new to you. And you have to go, man, I have to be humble. God, I just need help. This is still new. Please help me. Okay? That's like three times two right there. It's just, it's just even if I'm not, if I'm super overwhelmed, okay. 
But everyone can go, God, I just am, am wanting this. I'm asking you for this. And if I would put anything else on this, ask and listen. Ask and listen. Okay? Because again, we can say, I want this, but I'm not putting any time into anything. Okay? And again, beware of any attempt at control. So, God, please can you do this perfectly on my time frame to where it doesn't affect my life in any way and it just feels good the whole time. Okay, just be aware of that, okay? These are just like basic places. So, if you're a young Christian, you come together with your prayer group and they're like, how's it going? Man, I'm super overwhelmed. I don't get all of this, but here's what I've been doing. I've been praying. I've been talking to my brothers and sisters. I've been getting help into this. I just, I want this. Okay, that's different. Then I'm gonna show up and go. I don't get it. I even know Keith knows what he's talking about. Right? See the difference? There's difference. Right? Three times two, one plus two. Walk with someone. These are all things that can happen. These can happen as as youngsters in the faith. These can happen of going. I'm not gonna do this by myself. Like I'm gonna ask and walk and trust and remember that that dumb voice in my head. That's telling me, Keith, everything you understand to be right, that's the way it is. I'm going, hold on a minute. I have to have somebody going, Keith, there's a way that you think is right and the end will lead to death. Right? We've got to help each other with that. These are just like this little, if nothing else, okay? And here's the thing. We start getting up into maturing in Christ. Then it's that idea of going, okay, do I have an understanding through Scripture? Like, why are we being asked to do this? Right? This is fourth grade, fifth grade, middle school, lower high school. This is why am I being asked to do this? Oh man, first of all, when I just take malice and hate and envy and all these things come in, no good comes from that. No good. There's no way in God's kingdom that he'll ever be that way to us. And we start understanding the why so we can proclaim. And that becomes something, that's another level, right? Of, oh, I get what he's doing here. Like, I understand that, right? And then it's this idea of, man, can we learn to reject the speed of our day? And go, man, you want to know what? Like, I don't know where everybody's brain is right now, but if it's somewhere else, we're missing out. Not on a great lesson, okay? That's not it. But it's a, it's a missing out on, on us. I've gone, in my week, this is one of the greatest places I can be. And we get each other for a couple of hours. That's it. And if I'm already thinking about, oh man, what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to do and all that, I can't even have to find gratitude like here. Right. And I don't think gratitude is just, but I'm talking about, man, God has put this community together in a, in a perfect way. And so we begin learning to be present in the presence of God, right? And then here's an interesting thing. This, this is it. Um, Philippians 3.16, he, he gives this thing, forgetting what's behind, looking towards what's ahead. If you're mature, you'll think about these things. He actually says there's going to be some things that you don't agree on. And he said, but God will make that clear to you. Okay? He said, sure, there's going to be some things that you haven't come to an agreement on. He's like, it's okay. But live up to the faith you've already attained. Okay? Meaning this. In my life, am I actually living out what I actually already do know is right? Is, is the very basics, am I living up to the faith that I've already attained? Am I doing what I already know to do? 
the simple things, right? Is that's what is that what is happening? And then this finish strong. So um, one of the things that I wanted to do this year for myself is to have a spiritual challenge each month for me. And my spiritual challenge for the month of March, I'd be happy for you guys to join if you want. This is not, don't get into all this like, man, Keith is making me do this. And if you don't do it, no, no, no. I'm just inviting you. If you want to join in, that's fine with me. But this is my challenge for the month of March is to practice this practice of finishing strong. At the end of each day, setting aside five to ten minutes to go through these five areas. Okay, is to have a time of silence and, and, and prayer and just being quiet, uh, a prayer of gratitude, surrender and trust, a review of the day. I can go ahead and send this to you in front of you, unless you take a picture of me. Absolutely. Okay, good. Review. Hey, what's going on today? Identify a few areas to be grateful on. Think about what's coming ahead tomorrow and just having, finishing strong each and every day. So this is a practice that, that is going to be my large spiritual challenge and would love for you to join if you want. Uh, you may have something else going on, whatever. That's fine. This is not up there to trick you into anything. Um, but, uh, man, there's a lot of good stuff in Peter. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, I, I think when we get to heaven, I think we're going to like Peter. I'm going to go, man, dude, you have some metaphors, bro. I mean, living stones and grass and all this kind of stuff. I don't know what, but it's good. Okay, so hopefully we're going back and finding ourselves back in these scriptures, chapter one, chapter two, moving ahead, so it can be written on our hearts, um, and so we can trust God and obey what he's challenging us with. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.